You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from White Rock United Methodist Church located in Dallas, Texas. For more information about who we are, you can find us on the web at wrumc.org. It's good to see you all. I, uh, I am glad that we are here worshiping. Uh, together last Sunday was an unfortunate but necessary uh, precaution. Uh, we canceled worship, as you all probably know. Uh, so hopefully the, you didn't show up in uh, worship. And um, we are we're really kind of disappointed as a staff, too, because um, Baptism of the Lord Sunday is one of our favorite Sundays. Uh, we were kind of debating on, on what we were going to do, if we're going to kind of postpone um, our new worship series and, and try to sneak it in and, and make sure that we uh, get to that piece of scripture and, and the act of remembering our own baptism. It certainly would have uh, made things a little easier because I'd already written that sermon and uh, Rebecca had already prepared all that music. Uh, but we're also really excited about this worship series. So uh, I promise you, Sometime in 2020, we'll go back and we'll uh, have this service that we were all excited for uh, last week uh, because remembering our baptism is is really important. But I am I'm really excited about this series um, entitled "Recoloring the Bible." It's an opportunity for us to re-engage with the stories that we grew up in and kind of grew up with, in, in hopes uh, to find something new. Uh, in those familiar stories, we thought it, or at least I thought it, it'd be kind of this lighthearted, um, you know, storytelling series where we would just really enjoy and kind of rest in the in the really great stories of the book of Genesis. But then uh, I, I realized at least that we're going to be preaching on uh, Noah's Ark, which is a lovely story until you realize that, you know, God wiped out uh, all of creation. And then um, Sodom and Gomorrah is also making an appearance in Abraham and Isaac. So there's going to be some tackling of some really important things, some difficult things, some challenging aspects of the early stories in the book of Genesis that we often gloss over because we are taught these stories uh, using a felt board, or at least I was, right? So I grew up in a Sunday school uh, class setting where there's like three or four of us uh, in Denison and Gainesville, Texas. And uh, the way these stories were presented was literally with a felt board. And we sat there and we would tell these stories over and over again. The goal of this series is to remove the characters and the story from the felt board and kind of begin to think about them honestly and critically as adults. Okay? So that's what we're going uh, to be doing over the next five weeks. You have, if you've signed up for our weekly email, you have all the scriptures that uh, we'll be referencing. So if you want to read along, that's not just instructions for the children during children's time. That's actually an invitation for you all to to read and pray and think about the scriptures that we'll be kind of wrestling with over these next five weeks. Um, I just want to offer a, a disclaimer here. Um, uh, we, as United Methodists, uh, we do not hold inerrancy of Scripture as a doctrine of our church. So the way that I wrestle with Scripture, um, it's not from a position that everything we'll be reading is factual, okay? But I do want to tell you this. Just because something is not factual does not mean that it's not true, Okay? 
So just because uh, we wrestle with Scripture a little differently than some other denominations, uh, it is important for you to know that, that um, just because we may not believe that everything uh, in, in the first 20 chapters of Genesis are factual, that does not mean they don't possess truth for us. So I just want to offer you that as we kind of get into the text. Uh, this morning we are situated and we're reading the story of Adam and Eve. Um, the assignment was chapters 1 through 3. I'm not going to read three chapters, um, although I'm sure some of you would like that because they mean less of my preaching. But um, I am going to read to you just Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. And we made a conscious decision uh, to not put the text on the screen um, because we want you to hear the stories. So you have a chance to read them on your own. We want you to hear the stories read uh, each Sunday morning over the next few weeks. So Genesis 3, verses 1 through 10. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other wild animal that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God say you shall not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the servant, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, nor shall you touch it, or you shall die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened. They knew that they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. And I hid myself. He said, who told you that you were naked? The word of God for the people of God. Will you pray with me? In the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. May we have the opportunity this morning to hear your voice. And may we have the courage to respond. Amen. So I'm sure you all are aware that the beginning chapters of Genesis represent a story of origin. The story of the Garden of Eden and Adam and Eve is what we call an origin story. It is not unique to Judaism and Christianity and Islam, these Abrahamic traditions. Every culture has their own origin story, right? And origin stories tell us how the world came about, where we came from, what is God's nature, what is our nature. 
and other important things like why running around naked is inappropriate and why snakes don't have legs, you know, the really important stuff. Um, One would assume that we would know our own story of origin as a people of faith really, really well. But the truth is, and this I, I really believe this to be the truth, the truth is we often tell this story of Adam and Eve with all the cultural trappings that go along in this, with the story that are presented to us in coloring books and really bad church art. And even though uh, we know our Bible, we find ourselves kind of caught in this situation uh, that in the early chapters, there is a grand story that is actually not represented in the text. There is no mention of sin in the early chapters of Genesis, or a fall, or Satan, or temptation, And we have this picture of a tree and a snake, a portrait of a very white Adam and Eve, typically holding a Honeycrisp apple. Uh, That is not what we get in the text, although in defense of apples and Honeycrisp apples, I will go out on a limb and say the Honeycrisp apple is the best of all apples. (laughs) Is that, are we in like, are we in agreement here? Okay. I just don't want to divide the church over Apple preference. (laughs) We can't help but get this picture of Adam and Eve anytime we hear the story read. Um, But this is obviously isn't the most accurate reading of the story. And yet it's a really sticky reading or or interpretation of the story. And by sticky, I mean it just kind of stays with us. We can't really shake it. Anytime we open up uh, the book of Genesis, chapters 1 through 3, it's hard for us to not imagine Adam and Eve and Honeycrisp apples and snakes. We think a lot about sin and the fall, um, and it's a reading that has been passed down to us. It's not really our fault that this is where our mind goes. This is what we are taught with felt boards, right? Um, And this is why I can't help but think our origin story, um, if we're being honest with ourselves, we still think of it in really childish ways, which, just a side note, What we learn as kids has a residual effect on us. What we teach our children in church, it actually matters. It's not just an opportunity to send the kids out so we can pay attention to the sermon. It's not just an opportunity to drop them off in hopes that they'll learn a good Bible story or two. What we're doing with our children's ministry, it matters. That's why we are creating a ministry here that makes sense for our children and allows them to wrestle with our faith. It's important. And that's why it's really important that you invest in our children's ministry, okay? Because what we teach our children, what we were taught as children, it stays with us. It's sticky. And while this story has these kind of childlike assumptions attached to it, there is also unattended consequences of poorly learning about Adam and Eve, and the concept of original sin. 
Original sin is a doctrine found throughout the universal church. It's really formulated and rather brilliantly formulated by Augustine in the 5th century. It essentially says this, and I'm paraphrasing. uh, God created the heavens and the earth and animals and plants and sunrises and sunsets. It was amazing and beautiful and God created Adam and then God created Eve and they frolicked around naked and unashamed. It was like perfect, right? It was a perfect setting. Uh, It was beautiful and amazing and all was right with the world for like 20 minutes, okay? And then Eve screwed up. That's Eve, Eve screwed up and she, porta- she, she listened to a talking snake, she disobeyed God, and she ate the forbidden fruit. And because of this, Eve and Adam that are cursed um, and sent and banished out of the garden, and because they were cursed, now all of humanity is cursed, right? Original sin is a disease then in which the only cure is Jesus. Eve ate a piece of fruit, and now we have a horrible, sinful nature. I I say that kind of taking a jab at the notion of original sin. I actually don't have uh, that big of an issue with the doctrine of original sin. It doesn't bother me as much as you might think it does. And while I rarely talk about sin... Um, and the ways that some of my more conservative colleagues talk about sin um, from their pulpits. Although I will say, I've been trying to convince the staff since uh, I became the senior pastor to have an entire series on sin, hell, and the devil. Um, I will say, I'm aware that I may talk about sin differently here in this space, but I am really, really comfortable admitting that you all are sinners, And I'm also really comfortable admitting that I am a great sinner. I sin with great regularity. And if you don't believe me, just ask the people who know me best. My issue is the weaponizing of this story. That's my issue with um, the lack of integrity we often read Genesis 1 through 3. My issue is the weaponizing of this this story, and then the consequences, sin becomes something to make us feel horrible, or at least the doctrine of original sin can make us feel horrible about ourselves, and then we're also really quick to point out the horribleness of others. We're far more likely to do that, actually, than feel guilty ourselves. One uh, summer in Gainesville, Texas, I lived there. Uh, for four years, um, I was hanging out with my friend Brian, who lived across the street. Uh, Brian's dad was a pulpit minister at the Church of Christ Church. They talked about sin a lot more than we did at Whaley United Methodist Church. Um, But what was amazing about Brian's home was that's where I often went so I could watch Beavis and Butthead um, (laughs) play Contra on the Nintendo and uh, set things on fire in his backyard. That's I'd go over to Brian's house to do all those things, and uh, who knew that a Methodist preacher's kid uh, could have so much fun at the Church of Christ Parsonage. Um, uh, One day we're hanging out, playing Nintendo, drinking Capri Suns, or whatever we were doing, and um, I found a book that was sitting on his dresser, um, and it was entitled, The Snakes of Today. 
I'm a little, little Mitchell uh, found that to be a, a great book. I wanted to pick it up and I read it and read it. And when I opened it up, uh, I didn't see all the different snakes of uh, North Texas or the Red River Valley. Uh, what I saw was a picture of two men on a park bench drinking liquor. Um, and then I flipped over and the next page were was two women gossiping on the phone. And then there was an older teenager on the next page uh, stealing uh, money out of his mom's purse. And then I had another picture of a guy gambling. Um, And then the second to the last page was a picture of Adam and Eve. Um, And then uh, on the last page was a description and a picture of hell. And then on the back cover, there was a picture of Jesus extending his hand. It was a gospel track that I had found. Um, I'd never seen one. We didn't regularly pass those out at Whaley United Methodist Church. Uh, and so when I asked Brian about what this little booklet was, he said, oh, it's a gospel track, and we pass those out at our church all the time. Um, and he said, here, you can keep it. So I did. I kept the little gospel track, and I read it that night, and uh, I became rather fearful. So I said the prayer on the back of the gospel track. But then I was worried it didn't work. So the next night I said it again, and then again, and again. For the next several weeks, I became obsessed with this notion that I was going to go to hell as a third grader. And looking back at my life now, looking back now that I know that I've been diagnosed with an anxiety disorder, it all starts to make a little sense. (laughs) Also makes sense um, why I felt such turmoil as a little kid in Gainesville, Texas. I eventually showed it to my friend Stephen, probably a few weeks later. And Stephen was someone who never went to church. Um, His family didn't go to church. They're the ones that were always like hanging out on Sunday morning. They're finishing their brunch or lunch before we even got to the restaurant at the Mexican food place. Um, Stephen was just that. They they were those kind of cats, right? They just didn't go to church, which was a big deal in Gainesville, Texas. Most people went to church. But Stephen and I were really good friends. And uh, Stephen extended me probably the most grace out of any of my friends uh, that summer. He looked at this uh, gospel tract that I was carrying around in my pocket, and he looked at it very seriously for like 30 seconds. And then he said to me, in the most profound way possible, that's stupid. (laughs) And he threw it in the trash, and then we went and rode bikes. Um, Eventually, I forgot about the gospel track, and um, I didn't obsess about it anymore, but I, I, I must admit to you all, each time, and it doesn't matter where I am or if I'm in the classroom or I'm preparing for a sermon or someone makes a reference or I'm just reading the scripture because I try to do that with regularity. It does not matter every time I open up the book of Genesis and read chapters 1 through 3. I think of that gospel track. It's still there. My kind of initiation into this understanding that there is something fundamentally wrong with us. Our faith has often taught us that this story of Adam and Eve is about disobedience. 
And that somehow this great divide between God and us is because we break God's arbitrary rules. But the more I grow in my faith, the more I mature, and I admit I have a lot of maturing to do, but the more I grow in my faith and the more I mature, I realize that the distance between God and myself is often its greatest, not when I'm breaking arbitrary rules, but when I choose to listen to other voices. It's really, I think, the point of the church. The church wasn't established to give us rules, but to help us hear God's voice. And when I'm farthest away from God, it's always because I believe the voices of others more than God's. And so I want to tell you all this, how we see our origin story, it actually matters. Because if we believe that Adam and Eve represent patient zero and somehow sin is a disease passed down from generation to generation, then we can't help but believe holiness is in the absence of breaking rules. That really doesn't work for us as humans because chances are we'll continue to break the rules But if we believe that holiness is the absence of rule-breaking, it it makes us very judgmental people. It also makes us unbearable to be around. But if we tilt the story just a little bit, ever so slightly, like a kaleidoscope, we begin to realize that there is another way or multiple ways to interpret the beginning chapters of Genesis. What if sin isn't breaking rules, but rather being disconnected? Disconnected from God and disconnected from one another. To see the Genesis story, to help us see the Genesis story, that of creation, the birthing of humanity um, in a different light, maybe it is important for us to hear in re-engage the text over and over again until we understand that the story is really about God's voice, right? Adam and Eve hide themselves at the, once they hear God's voice, they hide themselves. This is really a story about being disconnected from God because Adam and Eve have chosen to listen to other voices, not break some sort of arbitrary uh, rule about fruit trees. And if we begin to realize that this story is about reclaiming our ability to hear God's voice, we begin to see that God intends us to see that creation is good. Not perfect, but good. This is the voice of God in Genesis chapter 1. And if we dig a little bit deeper, we begin to realize that we are created in the Imago Dei, the image of God. Good. Not perfect, but good. God called it good. If there was a fall, I'd like to believe it was because we have a failure to believe God's claim on our lives, that we are indeed created in the image of God. I'd like to believe that if there is indeed separation from God's will, and I surely believe that, it's easy to see if you just turn on the news, 
that it is not because there is something fundamentally flawed about us as individuals, but it is because we have chosen to listen to other voices. May we have the courage today and every day to listen to God's voice on an ongoing basis. For the world needs, the world is in desperate need of the good news that each and every one of us are beloved children of God. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. You're listening to a podcast recorded at White Rock United Methodist Church in the heart of East Dallas. For more information, you can find us at wrumc.org. And make sure you stay subscribed to this channel to stay up to date with all of our content.